Welcome to episode three. Slurry, store cattle, and online bidding. This is this week's Search More Trade Talk. And we have Will Handel here with us to talk about the store trade. We put James in the hot seat to talk us through the new slurry grant scheme. And we're going to speak to the creator of Martai about how it all started. And of course, Will Handel is taking on our farming quiz. He can't do much worse than Rob Baker did last week. But importantly, will he beat Derek Biss? So to recap the trade, today we had 1,700 cattle and 4,250 sheep. Customers for all grades on the 95 dairy, topping at 2,420 for Gary Puddy. A great stirk entry of 469 to top at 865 for a blue steer from the Bisses. Fewer numbers, but an improved trade. Saw the 305 calves sell to £342 for a blue bull from the Wyatts from Kukan. And over 4,000 sheep with Kidding News up to 232 for G Vining, store lambs to 129 for GW King, and goats for 128 for EG Chubb. Now, a week later than we perhaps anticipated, we have Will Handel here, who's our head of agriculture, Will, to Correct. talk about the store trade. So, welcome to Will. Is that a good enough introduction, Will? Did you want That's to absolutely fine, here? James. I was trying to work out how you were going to do this. Um, so, let's start with the trade today then, Will. We've had a good day. We had 815 store cattle forward, which is up on the equivalent market last year, and probably generally better quality than last week. The top end is still selling very, very well. Still a fairly high proportion of plainer cattle out there, a reflection of feed and, and a long, dry, hot summer. But no, very good. Top end was particularly strong. We topped at 16.65 for a pair of limmy steers from CA Retallic of Dolverton. And not too far behind, two, no, a single blue steer from FG and LA, not on the steers. And then heifers were equally as strong, 14.35 for a blue from FG and LA, not. And 14.15 for a single limmy from LM and V Haskell. So very good. Flesh is wanted. Anything that's quick turnaround cattle is in demand. Plainer stuff, which has been for a little while now, is just trading at slightly lower levels. And with the input prices being quite high at the moment and people getting a bit nervous about those costs, are you seeing native cattle and those that might finish with less cost thrown at them? Are they selling to a premium or not really? Um, the natives have probably grown in the last few years anyway. They are still keenly contested. Certainly all buyers and all producers are mindful of costs at the moment. So certainly that is going to play a part in their thinking. So quick finishing, cheap finishing, if there is such a thing, is certainly something that, that people will be looking at. You mentioned that we're up in numbers based on the week this week last year. Do you see that's going to be a trend going forward as we head into the winter? No two years are the same. I suppose trading patterns have been a little bit different this year. There were some cattle sold earlier throughout the summer when grass supplies were a little tight, but we're sort of roughly floating at similar sort of levels that last year. We just happened to have had a particularly good entry this week. I think we, we've certainly broken the back of the autumn numbers now. So numbers will probably start to settle around the sort of the seven to 750 in the next couple of weeks. And then of course, we're knocking on the door of Christmas then. In terms of the mixed cattle that we're getting in, obviously we do sell a fair amount of dairy bred cattle because of our position in the West Country. There's sort of talk that uh, suckler numbers are going to be declining and continuing to decline. Are you seeing less and less suckler bred types through the story? We probably haven't seen the full effect of that at the moment, but inevitably it will happen when we look at the number of suckler cows that have gone out. A high proportion of what we sell, as you rightly say, is dairy bred. Certainly at the moment, we are still seeing a good representation of the suckler types, and they're certainly the ones that are keenly contested and, and generally top the tree every week. You're seeing a fair number of grazing cows. 
the entry for grazing cattle each week has been sensational. Uh, it's probably a reflection. We haven't actually done a draw on the stores for a good couple of years, really. And that's a reflection of the number of grazing cattle that we're getting, getting anything from 10 to 40 or 50 some weeks. So, But the grazing cow trade is still very, very good. And that's reflected in the numbers that are coming forward. Uh, something that's very topical at the moment is the slurry storage regulations that have come in. And something that's come out this week is the slurry investment grant scheme. So this week, instead of getting a guest on, we're going to put our very own James Wooten in the hot seat. Just to sort of recap and maybe start from the beginning, just for those of you who aren't very clued up, can you just give us a bit of a recap on the rules that have already come in? So the rules have been there for a long time. They came in the 90s, in the early 90s, the slurry storage rules. Many, many farms aren't compliant, and that's just the way the industry is and that it's never really been fed through properly to them. There's a few more rules have come out more recently about spreading. There is an expectation that these rules are going to get tighter and tighter as the years go by. So this scheme is there to help to get people up to the current regulations and beyond. So everyone is compliant with what is a fair issue to the industry and the wider environment. So as the name suggests, the Slurry Infrastructure Grant is there to create new and expanded storage. That is going to be circular tin tanks, concrete circular stores, below ground rectangular concrete stores, and also uh, earthbank lagoons. But as well as that, all of the kit that goes with it. So the covers on top, as in laying an impermeable cover, the pumping equipment and uh, the safety fences and all those sort of bits that go with any store. As you say, it's something that's already been around for a while and especially in the last sort of 12, 18 months, we've already seen some of the effects of it. I know personally with the dairy industry, we've already had a few sales that are because of not having enough slurry storage and not wanting to put any more infrastructure in. And something we heard about last week in the sale of land and farms, again, is people are looking around to see who might be their successors. And if there isn't one, perhaps they are coming in to either sell the cows or, or potentially will. Is it something you've seen as well, Will? Are people coming to you to talk about ceasing their farming entities? It's certainly playing a part in people's decision-making moving forward. If you've got to invest heavily in a farm and the next generation are not going to come through, you're seriously going to question whether you're going to invest that capital when you're not going to fully reap the benefits of it, really. So, yeah, it's bound to have an effect. Certainly those with the next generation coming through are looking more longer term. Those that aren't are seriously making them consider their future and, and that could well bring more forward to the market. Not to take us through every single detail in the slurry investment grant scheme, but is there a few headlines? Is there something we should really be watching out for? Why do you say is instead of are all the time? Because I, I, I is from Somerset. I is from Somerset. <laughs> I am. So the scheme is, yeah, is out there to try and improve dairy, beef and the pig sector. So the grant rates are based on fixed payment rates. So they are fairly competitively set, I would say. And it's there in priority areas to get certain farms up to standards and beyond. The way the money's going to be distributed is meant to be prioritised to those that are the biggest problem in terms of ammonia, in terms of general water pollution and those other factors. There's an anticipation there'll be loads of uptake for the scheme. And until they know how much uptake there is, it's very difficult to gauge at what stage people are going to be successful. So there's a two-stage application. First stage goes in sort of end of the year, expressing an interest. And then a bigger application goes in that's developed and pulled together over the spring and summer. There's sort of two layers to this really, James, isn't there? You, obviously, getting the grant funding is one thing for anyone that needs to upgrade the system. But as part of that, they'll also need to get planning. 
Yeah, they will. And that's the problem with the scheme, potentially. We have got a few applications in for planning currently for new stores where we've been battling with the local authorities and government agencies for months and months and months. And there's a real lack of communication between these departments. So that's going to be a headache. There's got to be planning in place by the summer of next year for people to go ahead with the scheme. So if we can't get past that hurdle, and the hurdle is across the country, it's all going to fall apart in terms of a scheme. There is an expectation that things are going to have to be improved to make that work. But the main thing for people to be thinking is, have they got a slurry issue now? Get in touch with ourselves and we can at least make that initial application. Because even if they don't go ahead with it beyond, there's no issues resulting with any of the agencies of making that initial application and they're not following it on. So it's getting your foot in the door and then seeing how far you can go with it. Thank you, James. If anyone wants any more information, where should they go? So we are going to hold another Facebook Live with the DEFRA policy team and the Environment Agency who pulled the scheme together. So that is on the 12th of December on Facebook Live, so free of charge. People can come and ask their questions and uh, hopefully we can get some useful information from that. So we are going to hold another Facebook Live on Monday the 12th of December at 7pm. That will be on our GTH Ag page with the DEFRA policy team and the Environment Agency who all designed the scheme. So hopefully we can ask some questions get some answers and if people want to ask any of their own questions again it's free of charge and they can certainly join in and be part of that speaking of things that are online i believe you've been in touch with a man this week who's playing quite a key role in our business at the moment now we welcome aaron signorelli now you may not know the name but you will know his creation marti we couldn't resist getting them in just to chat a little bit about the uh, platform welcome aaron thanks andy really good to be here one of my first questions is, uh, how does a London city boy like yourself end up creating probably what is one of the biggest innovations of farming at the moment? <laughs> uh, that's a very interesting question. Probably goes back now two, three years. And then we were initially working on a different product entirely. So I've got a, a software development background and I would work quite closely alongside a, a user interface designer. And then um, we got working with another lad who is an electronic engineer who has got a farming background. And he had come up with a really clever algorithm to use carving cameras and a different kind of AI. So artificial intelligence watching animals during the pregnancy. And then we can see based on how their abdomen is moving during a contraction, we can alert the farmer to when a calf is going to be born. And so we were initially rolling that out and trying to turn that into a product. And then we got a phone call from a friend who was said, because of COVID, all of the marts across Ireland are being locked down. And so from that, a case of probably less than maybe a month, two to three weeks, where we had this brief idea and we decided, okay, let's go for it. Let's see if we can build live bidding. And then a couple of days later, we had the live bidding in place. And then we we're like, oh, what can we use for video? We had some ideas for that and we hobbled together something quick for video and we got the audio working. We actually didn't realize, but the friend who had um, asked us about it originally had booked us in for a sale like that following Thursday and told us, <laughs> told us just after we had the brief bits together. And so it was suddenly a really big scramble to get everything ready. We actually did a test the night before and nothing worked. The mark manager said to us, he's like, do I need to cancel this sale tomorrow? And then it was thankfully just all of our experience before we kind of knew from everything that we'd worked on that we could do this. And so we stayed up that night, pulled everything together. And then that morning ran the sale and successfully sold about 250,000 euro worth of cattle. And I suppose the rest is history. 
Well, yeah, like after that, that certainly turned a lot of heads. There was big demand and we were talking to probably a few more market managers the next day. Within days, we were probably rolled out into another couple. And then, yeah, it really dominoed and it got picked up in England too. And then um, from there, it's really spread about, especially in dairy, where we've seen the most strength so far. Yeah, we would now use it in every single one of our dairy and machinery sales here at GTH. It's definitely grown to something that pretty much every farmer has in his pocket now. The UK is is our fastest growing market. So we're seeing probably just over 50% of our traffic now coming from the UK. And we've definitely not seen any sign of that stopping. Like interestingly, one of the fastest things that's kind of spurred that along is these on-farm sales. And I know that you guys do a lot of machinery on-farm sales too. And there's just so much demand for watching those and participating in them too. What sort of trends have you seen? You said you mentioned a lot of people are watching them. Have you seen a lot of bidding increasing over the last couple of years or? Around bidding, actually, there's some interesting things there. So during COVID, when everything was locked down, 100% of the bids were online. And so we did actually wonder when everything opened up, if Marti would be useful at all. It turns out like the bidding did drop and our viewing numbers also dropped soon after they started to climb again. And I think people really saw that convenience that utility coming through. And and that's why I suppose we're seeing the numbers as we are now. It's amazing, to be honest, from selling, particularly on the dairy and and machinery side, the comments we get about people who have heard us selling, potentially saying something we maybe shouldn't have. A lot of people are, are out there watching, like you say, keeping an eye on what the trade's doing, really. Especially new auctioneers when they start out on the platform often forget that behind that laptop screen can be a few hundred people that are listening to a hot mic. <laughs> so yeah. We luckily at Sedgemore, we do have a mute button, which uh, <laughs> can be used or sometimes is a bit too late to be used. Often, like you mentioned, convenience. We've got a lot of people that wouldn't dream of bidding online, but might be watching. And we've got others that absolutely love it. And I tell you what I really like is sometimes we're getting people who can't attend on the actual day. And they are then going to view the animals back on the farm. They have the best of both worlds. They've seen the animals in the flesh. They're getting to use the online bidding. Yeah, we hear a lot of that, like people coming in in the morning, just seeing the animals and then uh, heading home in the afternoon and maybe bidding online. Other things as well that it seems to open up, funnily enough, if you search for Marto on TikTok, you'll find a few on there. And some of the funnier ones are... um, people getting ready to go to weddings and running Marto Marts from the car. Or we've even seen one like in a delivery room. So like you can really see a sale from anywhere now. One of our first sort of Marti machinery sales was Wolf Cross a couple of years ago when yeah, nobody could come. And it was one of the most surreal experiences of my life because I was sat in here in the room we're in now with a couple of my colleagues and we were basically talking into a microphone. And again, we were getting texts and we were getting comments and stuff from various people listening and it was absolutely surreal i must admit it sort of did sort of take a turn for the worse when i did describe a yard scraper as a sweet little thing um (laughs) again that was noted by quite a few people so it's amazing what people are listening on the other side the people at home when you're watching one of those sales it's surprisingly engaging like you have for a machinery sale you have a picture of the lot but you have the audio from the auctioneer and you have that bid button And that bid button is very tempting, especially on something that looks really good. And we're finding, I guess, probably dripping into what we were talking a bit about earlier, we call them the night watches. These people, we see a 50% bump in traffic around seven o'clock into the evening. We have some machinery sales that happen for around that kind of time. And people talk about how they go home 
get their friends over, bring some cans in and watch the machinery sale online <laughs> and bid away themselves. And it turns into a real social event and it is really captivating. And it's just something really special that's come out of the platform. Thank you very much, Aaron. Now we move on to the time everybody's been waiting for, the farming quiz. And this week we have Will Handel. All right, so Will, are you ready to go? Ready to go, yes. So quick run through the rules. 60 seconds, you cannot pass. We've got to have an answer. And the time starts when we ask the first question. Right, ready to go. The NFU called for parliamentary scrutiny of future trade deals after the UK-Australia deal passed a major political milestone. But who are Australia playing rugby with at the weekend? This weekend, they are playing Scotland. No. How many store cattle were there today? 815. Correct. Soaring feed and energy bills has pushed the average cost of producing a dozen free-range eggs to an estimated £1.38. What's the average sale price of a dozen eggs in the supermarket? Dozen eggs will be £1.50. No. This is appalling. What noise does a turkey make? (laughs) Gobble, gobble. (laughs) You're not getting a um, <laughs> you're not getting a bonus point for that. Which supermarket had to withdraw an advert? The featured farmers showing off their tan this week. Morrison's. Oh no! What is the name of the grant scheme released this week to increase storage 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 for dairy beef and pig farms? Slurry investment grant. No. And that's with... your time. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> it's awful. So we'll run through the answers, Will. So the team playing rugby this weekend is Wales. You were right on the number of stall cattle. That was handy. You were wrong on the uh, the average sale price of a dozen eggs to a supermarket. What was the answer to that? Uh, actually, one pound and nine pence. A Farmers Guardian uh, article this week said that that's why most of the uh, egg farmers are losing a lot of money. The turkey noise wasn't even close. Uh, we give them a point, yeah, no, but was. just not a bonus point. I'm, no, I'm not happy Why did you that. ask me that one? I was convinced you were going to ask me something else. What, what were you thinking? My love of horses. Oh, I thought you liked turkey. Not as much as horses. In the same way that we offered Rob Baker the option of going again, would you like to make another turkey noise? I don't think I can beat Gobble Gobble. Okay, which supermarket? It was Waitrose. Oh, that's a bit posh for me. Yeah. Oh, I thought end. you'd have known. I thought yeah, I should no, you... no. And you were f- very close on the scheme for the slurry. It's a slurry infrastructure grant. Yes, it is. Do you know what score you've got? I wasn't adding up, but I reckon it's less than Rob Baker, which is even more frustrating. I can't believe that Derek is still in the lead with 10. And yes, Will, you got two points. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't go how red you are. I am very warm. What noise right. does a turkey make then? Gobble, gobble. Table. <laughs> I practiced it last week. Did you? Yeah, we were in. Oh yeah, go. That, that is how you do a turkey. That, that is good. Yeah, no, that would get a bonus point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. No, except I'll only get a point for yeah. mine. <laughs> so thank you, Will. We normally just wrap up the end of the podcast with a quick run through of what everyone's got on for the week ahead. What's on the horizon for next week? We've got two or three valuations that we're going out to inspect and also launching 25 acres of land. And no doubt there'll be some other appointments that come in during the course of the week, but certainly valuations and land at the moment. Andy? A dairy dispersal sale on Tuesday. We welcome the Rolf Park Farms from the New Forest, as well as the Bakers down from Gloucestershire with a joint dispersal sale. We've also got our collective machinery sale here at Sedgemore on Thursday as well. James? I have actually got a couple of valuations this week. And we are quite busy now with the slurry infrastructure grants. 
we are having lots of inquiries, so that's what I'll be tied up with all week. We'll be catching up with Tom Meller next week, and we'll be taking a little bit of a closer look at the sheep trade. And of course, we'll be putting him against our 60-second clock for the farming quiz. <laughs>